Well, welcome back to Round Guy Radio. Uh, today we are talking about Richland, Iowa. Uh, we are with Mayor Tom Hoekstra, who is, uh, for the second time, not put his name on the ballot, and he's fixing to retire after 18, 20 years of service. Tom, how many how many years were you on the city council before you were on uh, before you the mayor? I was on the council for two terms or four years, and then I succeeded the former mayor, who basically succeeded me on the council for two years. So I've been in office council and mayor for 22 years 22 years well uh, uh i'd like to ask a little bit of what you felt like you accomplished in the first 22 years here. uh well quite a lot contrary to belief uh, so i could go through a lot of it uh, one of the first things that i was able to accomplish was uh if everybody remembers walking down or driving down east south street east main street and there were four neglected properties down there abandoned properties and disrepair derelict buildings uh the new clerk that came in i sat down with her and i said i want to go down there and clean that neighborhood up because for 20 years the city failed to uh identify those problems and then follow through with them okay so uh um what was that process like and and, and what was the result of your efforts well it was incredibly intensive in that uh there were three property owners that uh, basically were hermits, and there was an overgrowth of rubbish, uh, trees, vines, junk all over the, th the three properties. So one of the first things we did was, I think probably in about 2004 maybe, while I maybe was still on the council, we acquired one of them, had it torn down, and acquired it through a basically eminent domain, a 657A then began the hard part, which was to go back over onto South Street and start on the 200 block and then acquire a property through a 657A, which is basically eminent domain from a bank that held the mortgage on it. Then we acquired a property across the alley from that and then went over and finished up the cleanup on the property that was over on Main Street. Basically, their Main Street and South Streets intersect and so it was a, it was an extensive thing. It, I'm thinking probably all said and done, it was maybe thirty-five to forty thousand dollars invested in it to acquire the properties and clean them up. Okay, well uh, that that effort seemed to extend uh, all across town as uh, both uh, the city and some private citizens have uh, continually uh, taken down a lot of buildings, uh, a lot of houses. But uh, uh, what has been come in the place of these? these old abandoned properties or, or run-down properties? That well, we, we, we actually set up a program with, through the, a collaboration with the Richmond Community Club. Uh, we sold the lots, three of them, for $1,000 to the community club, and then they reinvested the money basically to uh, create single-family new home construction. So four new homes and one extensive remodel is accomplished. So they're, in, in retrospect, if you look back on it, there was probably $40,000 worth of actual property there that was in blight and it's now probably between five hundred and fifty and six hundred thousand dollars in valuations. I looked this up a couple days ago and these five properties collectively today contribute over eleven thousand five hundred dollars annually to the tax base. Well that's been a, a great benefit to the town. Uh, I, uh, let's talk a little bit about what the tax base was when you started and where did it get to? Well, I, I looked this up a while back too. In 2008, the uh, tax base in Richland uh, was at 
million dollars and as of today on the new tax the tax rates the valuations as i call them it's uh, just short of 17 million so it's kind of almost doubled in the last 15 years all right well uh, i'm a resident here of richland or, or a shareholder uh, uh, as i like to think of myself uh one of the things I've always liked about the town is the parks and the roads are always in such good condition, and, and there's been a lot of improvements in there. Uh, what has the city done uh, to maintain the, the roads so well and to, and to keep our, our parks and city, city uh, squares so nice? Well, you have to commit your road use tax dollars annually to, you got to spend so much money on them, and the street lights, and uh, basically you're paying, you're somewhat paying the maintenance man somewhat out of the the road use tax money too so the street lights come out of there it's in excess of twenty thousand dollars a year they're rented from alliant and uh, you just you have to schedule things out you have to do it incrementally you can't go out and spend five hundred thousand dollars to fix all the roads at once you just start a schedule and you stay on them and you you keep on them well there's a couple things we've got a, a a list of things in town that have kind of improved uh and we're going to start out with maybe some of the smaller stuff they're big things but they're they're not as big as some of the other things we're going to mention later, but one of the things you did was get the bandstand uh, restored and, and this new shelter that we're in right here uh, uh, brought up. Can you talk about those two projects? Well, the bandstand is is uh, obviously, I call it the city's courthouse in the middle of the square. And uh, it's like anything else. You own public property. You got to maintain it. You got to take care of it. And uh, I can't remember. We maybe $16,000, however many years ago we did did on that, did a complete overhaul of it, poured some concrete out front that made uh, the bandstand accessible for uh, homecoming. And this new shelter, that it was a private partnership. Uh, 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 was the city involved in anything building this? Sure, the, the Henshaw family, and I'm gonna say Kermit Henshaw's children, surviving children, Sally, uh, Emily and Corwin came to me and said, do we want to do something here? And they wanted to replace the, the old shelter house that was on the east side of the square at the time. Uh, we tore it down. They came over here, were involved in basically designing and erecting a new, uh, the new shelter house. I think probably my limited involvement really was is that the bricks that basically uh, emulate what's over at the library and the, and the uh, medical clinic, or excuse me, it's the dental clinic today, but anyway, I located the bricks for that. They, the bricks cost about 10 cents a piece. And uh, then the original community club uh, got involved in it also, which they've been involved in a lot of things. Uh, to benefit the city, they uh, got a riverboat grant from the Washington County uh, Riverboat Casino to put the kitchen in here that we're actually sitting in right now. Yeah, and it's a great facility and it's, it's really served uh, uh, the community well. Uh, and mentioning well, uh, we got a new well that you were a, a major player in, in getting this walled. Uh, talk to me about the well uh, and uh, um, how it was financed and, and how it's benefited everybody here. Well, as I remember this, and it's kind of humorous, Tom Robertson actually was the mayor when this started. And I was the mayor pro tem. Dennis Henshaw actually had more experience than I did, but he didn't want to do it. So I uh, inadvertently became the mayor pro tem after just two years. Uh, so I'm in, a, I'm in a learning phase and actually still am. But anyway, nonetheless, I had approached Gingrich Well and Pump to try to get some information, some research on, on the digging a well. And they kind of put me in to contact Tom Baker who had a PVC well casing 
on his hog lot out north of town over by Talleyrand. So I got to talking to Tom and Clint Gingrich and whatever, and uh, Clint wanted to, to actually put a, a deep PVC well, a cased well into the, uh, the city here. And uh, we had, uh, I think in 2003, maybe when it was my first term on the council, we had, uh, uh, let's see, what was the name of it? Uh, Northway Well and Pump from Marion, Iowa did a tele televising of the well casing, the, the old well, which I'm gonna call well number one. And uh, it, they in, indicated that there was three to five years left before the casing either collapsed or the, the uh, phantom aquifers that were blending water from the Jordan vein were going together. And the water quality wasn't very good. So we had to really get on the ball and get after it. So uh, we signed an agreement with Clint Gingrich to, to dig the well. And then we had other outstanding things going on here because in 1996, uh, the city council had built a treatment plant that was still uh, mortgaged. So in order to facilitate this, we were paying, the town was paying 8.8% uh, interest rates on the, on the municipal debt for that. And we uh, approached the state of Iowa, told them what we were wa wanting to do. They were basically telling us they didn't want us to do this and made an offer for us to to hook up to Wapalo Rural Water, which at the, at the time, it didn't seem feasible to me because we still had to pay off the treatment plant. You can't walk away from it. You still owe to pay the bonds on it. So uh, as I remember, right, Federation Bank probably had come into town about that era. And Jackie Henshaw was kind of running the bank at the time down there, the branch. Went down and talked to her about that. Uh, the state uh, dangled money in front of us at four and a quarter percent state revolving fund. But it was uh, contingent upon the city drilling a cast iron well. And it, it really, the, it, the cost there didn't make any sense to me because you're looking at every 50 years, you're going to have to do something different or put a sleeve in it. And in talking to Clint Gingrich, he kind of indicated to me that a PVC well will last three to five times longer than, a, than the uh, cast iron well. So kind of went off in that direction. The bank agreed to meet the four and a quarter percent interest rate on the, the debt. And so then when the state found out, they said, well, we'll give you the money at four and a quarter too. And, and uh, basically we were supposed to, uh, they would allow us to do the PVC well, but we talked about it. The council did. I think Tom was still the mayor, of course, Dennis, and I can't remember who else were on there. And uh, we said, well, let's invest the money in the town. We'll, we'll borrow the money from the bank down here locally. And it all worked out. I mean, I think, I think there's about maybe nine to 10 months left on the original $880,000 capital project that uh, went from 8.8% on the treatment plant down to four and a quarter, consolidated all the debt together. And the monthly uh, mortgage cost is about $3,400. So I think we're down under $40,000. And that's all the debt service we actually have anymore. Okay, well, uh we mentioned earlier about how you tore down a lot of properties, and uh, my point I'm making is going to tie this into what I'm about to say is that took a lot of years. Oh, took, God, yeah. took a lot of time. Well, another uh, uh, thing that you got done uh, that took a lot of time uh, was tearing down the old uh, high school here. In town. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of funny if mm, my mind is wandering all the time. And this is another thing. I like challenges. I really do. And especially there's a lot of challenges in Richland. And so I'm all for restoration and history and all that. The property basically it's sent, 
set somewhat vacant, the old part for 40 years. The city of Richland acquired the property from the Pekin School District in, I believe, 1978 when the last classes went to school down here. I think they were K through five maybe. And the agreement was when the city acquired the property, just like they did in Ollie and Packwood and Farson, they were supposed to tear the buildings down. They kind of ran into some confusion and some arguments about what not. Somebody approached them. They wanted to, I think, move a church over there into it. And uh, the city didn't know whether to tear it down or to sell it. And at the time, the city sold the property in 1978 to Everett Baker for $15,500. And in today's money with an inflation calculator, you're looking at about $70,000. That's what it would cost to buy that building today. So I've, uh, I, like I said, I'm a preservationist at heart, but time finally came to a closure and I said, okay, it's time to, let's look into tearing the schoolhouse down. So I don't know about that era, Pi and Carol Rickard were getting ready to build their new home out the north end of town, he called me up and said, I got a bunch of clay, I got a bunch of dirt I need to get rid of, can I pile it up somewhere? And I go, well, what are we going to do with it? And I got to thinking about it, and I said, okay, yeah, we'll take all of it. So he said, what are you going to do with it? And I said, I'm going to put it in the gym in the hole in the ground when I tear the school down. He said, are you tearing the school down? And I said, eventually I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to get that done. So the idea were, obviously, were what's what it's come to the conclusion of with the childcare facility. I never envisioned the childcare facility being built there. I was working on the assumption in my mind that we would be able to acquire the Mother Cabrini Hall, which obviously wasn't available in a timely manner. So I'm stockpiling dirt, and in the back of my mind, I'm gonna tear the school down, and I'm gonna figure out a way to do that. So I talked to Jerry Robinson and some mutual friends, and we kind of come to the agreement that he was gonna help pay for the demolition of the schoolhouse. So he, it cost, I think, the city invested $100,000 of its revenue reserves, and then I think Jerry contributed $100,000, so we got the, the school down. So it's got, got to set for a couple years before uh, you can build anything on it. And like I said, I wasn't originally thinking about putting the daycare down there. I was, my mind was over west, the west property where the hall was, and things just didn't work out there. And I kind of remember there what really stimulated my interest in looking at the, at the schoolhouse property for the childcare. The clerk at the time, her granddaughter was kind of in there because she had lost her spot in the ch local childcare facility. And I got to thinking about this, how, how incredible this is that a mother can't go to work. She's got a job and she can't go to work because she can't find anywhere to put her infant daughter. And I just said to myself, there's got to be a better solution to this than the, all these young families around here, all these young mothers that are trying to work, and there isn't available childcare. So I kind of put it in my mind, okay, I'm going to get a childcare facility built. And I, to be honest with you. Well, I did want to talk to you about the daycare facility that uh, is already being built right now. That was another project that took you many, many hours, many, many phone calls, many, many meetings. Uh, uh, a lot of different government agencies came together as well as a, a committee that you helped form uh, uh, and uh, um, a lot of people in town including myself thought it was kind of a little pie in the sky yeah. but the uh, uh, the pie has landed yeah. and uh, the building is going up and so uh, let's talk a little 
quickly talk about the process of putting it together and then talk about what this is going to mean for the community. Well, um, once again, Jerry Robinson came to the forefront. I had been in constant contact with him over numerous things uh, over the years. He wanted to put some money back in his hometown. And uh, this seemed like the best project probably to help everybody in the community and, and not just the city of Richland, but uh, I was doing some research and I came upon a, uh, the name Angie Duncan. She's affiliated with First Children's Finance in Iowa. They had done a, uh, the Washington County Economic Development Group had done a kind of a, a child survey probably with needs in Washington County, which would have included Brighton at the time. And I called Angie up, told her what I was wanting to do. And she basically made me aware. I didn't know the organization even existed that was public funded, which is called Early Childhood Iowa. So I called a gal up that actually services Iowa, Jefferson and Keokuk County, and she was uh, instrumental with building the childcare facility in Fairfield. So I called her up, told her what I wanted to do. I brought her down to the Richland Community Club meeting and got everybody to listen to her. And she and I just kind of went to work. We kind of, you know, constantly talking over the phone. Uh, I got some local people involved in this some elderly people, if that's what you want to say. Uh, they had time to commit themselves to this. I needed to get it out, somewhat out of my head into the city. Uh, the city provided a $10,000 grant, and that's what I'm going to call it, to the uh, organization. The community club helped fund a nonprofit organization, which is these uh, elderly ladies and, uh, and a husband of one of the elderly ladies. Uh, they put this group together, and it's a transitionary group. Uh, they got some money from the Richland, or excuse me, yeah, the Richland Community Club, then gave them uh, kind of a credit line to get the architect on board to design the building. And the design actually originated of going inside the Mother Cabrini Hall and taking what was there and building that in there. Obviously, that fell through, so they took the plans and basically built a new building almost similar to what Mother, the Mother Cabrini Hall would have been for child care. No, that, that was terrific. Uh, well, uh, fast forward, we, we've got this uh, a new facility It's about to be built. When do you think this will be open and available for people around here? I think the construction is going ahead of schedule, and I can tell you that I'm amazed uh, that what the cost will be anytime you're going to build a, a government building and government mandates and structure and whatnot, you're spending a lot of money that probably you're not going to have to do in the private sector, but it's, it's somewhat under budget and uh, it's ahead of schedule probably. I think the general contractor, Roger Wright, uh, indicated he's looking maybe at March and April, it would probably be completed and then ready for opening in August of 2024. Well, uh, having this facility available to, uh, is, a, is a big deal for people that are young uh, and, and are raising kids. Uh, Richland's a town just loaded with kids. Yep. Uh, 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 probably more kids per capita than, than many, many towns uh, around here. Uh, and, and it, the reason people would want to come to town, maybe they could get a job. Now, I don't know specifically if the daycare center had everything to do with it. It might have had a little bit to do with it, but uh, we were able to attract uh, uh, Griner Meats and Groceries come to town. Uh, the former Packwood Locker is moving here, uh, and it seems like a good pairing or a good partnership with this daycare center. Yeah, Peyton contacted me, I don't know how long ago it was, and uh, kind of threw me for a loop, to be honest with you. And uh, I kind of salivating over the, the idea. And uh, he came and met with me. We kind of walked around a little bit around the square, looked at possibilities and nothing really 
stood out to him. Uh, there was a possibility of acquiring a property in town. It didn't work out. Uh, the city had the, obviously the lot on the south side of the square. We can get into that later. But anyway, I, uh, when he left, I said, uh, don't give up on me yet. I'm gonna keep working on this. And that's the main thing. The mayor running the city council meeting is, a, is, a, is the easiest part of being the mayor. It just is. You're gonna devote an hour and a half of your, of your month uh, over a council meeting, basically dealing with things that have already happened behind you. The next morning, the mayor has to go to work. And it'd be ideal if the, if the city of Richland could hire a city manager to do the work that I've had to do, but uh, you're looking at $50,000, $60,000 a year to employ somebody to do that. And uh, getting back to Peyton's project, uh, called Corwin Henshaw up on the phone and threw an idea out to him about acquiring property down there on the, east, the west side of the highway. It wasn't for sale and he wasn't interested in selling it. And I kept at him a little bit. Out of the blue one day, he calls me up. He said, Tom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this available. I'm not going to give it away, but I'll do it for this. I'll do it for the town. I'll do it for Richland, and I'll do it for Peyton. So I remember being uptown on a Saturday morning, and I said, Peyton gets off work at noon. I'm going to put you two guys together. He should be over there, and you guys can hassle, hangle this out. And I called at 1130, and I said, I'll call Peyton. He said, well, he's already here. We're already done. I said, yeah, right, you're done. He says, no, seriously, we got it all worked out. It's done, done deal. So well, that, the rest is what you would call history. Well, that and that's gonna bring um, 30 jobs to town and, and uh, he also has enough space to double the capacity that he has. So it's gonna be a much bigger operation than it's been. Uh, and like he said, just moving it, what is it, nine or 10 miles or something, uh, uh, isn't gonna really probably run any of his other customers out. But this isn't your first foray into bringing a, a big time business into town. Uh, I know this was a little bit when you were on the city council, but you brought uh, a Panama transfer or something. Well, I, I, I gotta be, throw kudos to Tom Robertson because he was the mayor when that happened. And I think probably, if I'm right about this, I'd probably throw Junior Adrian's name out too. I think probably the owner of Panama Trucking had been in contact with Junior about putting a, 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 a facility down here, a terminal down here. And uh, uh, Tom presented this idea to the city of Richland. And, uh, and basically that's where the creation of the uh, tax abatement came in as far as commercial property is concerned. So we put that in there to basically facilitate this happening. And yeah, I was on the council when that happened. So. You know, being whether you're the mayor pro tem or whether you're the mayor or whether you're a council member, like I said, is council members uh, are only obligated to meet once a month. I couldn't do that because I couldn't stand by and watch the town dwindle away. So, well, and as an example, I'll go over here on the south side of the square. We acquired the property from the county. Uh, they basically took the property where the old gas station was, and there's contamination over there underground. The state came in and removed the soil and the building, or excuse me, the building was raised by the city long time ago, but the city actually paid to tear the property, the building down, but didn't acquire the property. Then the state came in and took the contaminated soil out and then the county turned the property over to the city. And I tried to move that a couple of times. I thought maybe we had some positive things happening and uh, they kind of fell through. And so we didn't have a lot invested in the property but we're mowing it and empty lots need to be filled up along the square. So 
I don't know, last here earlier in the year, Jack Agan approached me, called me up and said, I understand that the city has this property. I said, yep. And how, what can I do? And I said, uh, I can get the property over to you. I'll propose it to the city to sell it to you for a dollar under the condition that you're going to build a new facility on it. And then we're going to give you tax, uh, tax abatement, which is basically deferring taxes for probably seven of the 10 years. So over a 10 year period of time, you're going to pay your full allotment of city taxes that doesn't affect the schools or the county so the tax abatement schedule is working for will be working for him when his taxes come due here in a year so look at the building i mean it's incredible and and i tell jack all the time when i stop and talk to him all of these things are crown jewels for the town yes i'm i'm up the daycare project was my pet project i really wanted to see this happen because I never really could grasp what young families, young mothers that were trying to have a, you know, a second income for their family, and they were hampered by this because there wasn't available childcare anywhere in the area. There's childcare facilities there, but not to meet the demand. After I got talking to Tammy from Early Childhood Iowa, they did a, a child audit. 770 some kids in Keokuk County needing childcare. It's astronomical. It's just astronomical and something needed to be done about it. So I decided that I was gonna to go to work and see what I could get done. Thank God, Jerry Robinson and kudos to Charlotte Downey for getting involved in this with me. Okay, well, uh, I, I was, you know, I was told by the president of the community club that you've been a great partner uh, uh, to work with. And one of the, the partnerships uh, uh, and one of their big projects that's really done, gone and helped uh, uh, is this, uh, a dentist office that's in town and uh, we're also getting the mental health and then we and you were also uh, uh, when the bank the uh, a bank closed down and you were able to get Jefferson County uh, a medical clinic well I do you, to be perfectly honest with you I really didn't have anything at all to do with that I think that was a community club involvement uh, with Federation Bank acquired the property or, or gave a grant to the Richland Community Club to purchase it the, the dental clinic yeah kind of fell into my lap too I was do monthly uh, mayor reports to community club meetings and, and the community club had uh, built the uh, original medical facility and Rick Johnson who is now the mayor of uh, Ottumwa was the CEO of the of the medical clinic over here River Hills and he had approached the community club that he had gotten a federal grant for $300,000 and he needed to build a dental clinic in Keokuk County within a year well there were some uh, discussion and or disagreement whether the community club wanted to further that along and build on to the property. So I saw this as the opportunity to grow it or lose all of it because the lease didn't require them to stay with with the city and or Ottumwa Regional Hospital who originally came here to run the medical facility. So I went to the council about that and I said we got to keep this thing going they need to build a dental clinic over here. We own the ground, the city owns the ground. Let's give them the ground for a buck and let's call the USDA in and see if, what we can do to help them. So the community club got wind of that and they weren't real happy with me at the time. So I really wasn't gonna see a medical clinic built next door to another medical clinic. So I brought them in and said, you guys gotta open your eyes here. Your, your ship came in and you gotta take this on. So long story short, we were going to trade some properties around, which 
the city kind of got bamboozled in and in the end, but that's all right. The dental clinic got built and it was a, su a success for quite a while. Then the medical thing kind of fell through. Uh, the U.S. Bank branch was closing. I think Steve Roberts was probably the point man on that proper or that property, that function. I really didn't have much to do with that, if anything at all. Well, at least the, uh, it's another addition that that's yep. a big plus for the town. Yep. Well, Tom, uh, I know last time you didn't run, uh, but you kind of got drafted or, or, or bamboozled or, or hogtied into doing a couple more years. And in that couple years, you really accomplished a lot, particularly with this daycare thing and some of the new businesses that, that, that are coming into town. But uh, there's, there's another election coming up. There's a yep. lot, of, lot of people running. There's a new guy running for mayor and a lot of people running uh, uh, for city council. And there's been some kind of accusations leveled at you and maybe your decisions that you've made. Uh, and I'd like to give you a little, little opportunity to respond to that. Now, uh, the new guy running for mayor uh, claims that the garbage truck breaks down and that it was a, a, a kind of a waste of money and that we could do it more uh, with another service. But um, let me ask you, the garbage truck that we're actually using, how much did that cost the city? Well, I'd like to go backwards a little bit on this. Uh, I'm going to go back to 1976. And the city of Richland, this is when the inception of the Semco landfill started. And the Board of Supervisors approached the city of Richland, which, you know, I'm just two or three years out of high school, so I'm not involved in any of this. They approached the city of Richland and all the other 15 towns in the county about providing a, a countywide uh, garbage collection business. And uh, the city looked at it, I think. And, for whatever reason, they decided probably from the logistics alone that they were two and a half, three, three miles from the landfill and they could pick up garbage cheaper than what it was going to cost the citizens to pay for monthly, or excuse me, weekly garbage collections at the landfill. So the city bought a garbage truck and they conducted basically a garbage business uh, as a utility in, in the city of Richland. So the current garbage truck, uh, I think probably a couple years ago when Greg Ford was the uh, maintenance guy, we went up to Marshalltown to look at a garbage truck that he had found online, went up, looked at it, talked to the owner of it, and uh, we were both a little concerned about some of the things we were hearing about it. I was in the cab of it. Greg took it out to dry, but I, before I left, I was in, got in the cab looking around. I found a paper where the uh, garbage truck actually was purchased from, and I called the owner of the the, the former owner of the garbage truck up and he kind of in a nice polite way said I wouldn't recommend you buy that truck uh, here in a couple months I'm going to have one that I'm going to take out of uh, use and uh, I'm going to be getting out of the garbage business and this will make you a great truck uh, so somebody else uh, was working on this just as much as I was uh, they found a truck and uh, things kind of fell through the city had actually I think probably bid on purchasing a garbage truck in the amount of $52,000. And, you know, when you're the mayor and, and you understand value and what you're doing, you know, you kind of squirm a little bit from time to time, but the council members are the legislators. So anyway, that thing kind of fell through. Then they found another garbage truck, and uh, we've had some issues with that because we can't seem to find the truck where it's at. So in the meantime, the truck's falling apart and I actually got a new uh, maintenance man and I told him, call Greg up, find out the guy's name up at Conrad, Iowa that had this other garbage truck. So 
Garrett and I went up, drove clear to Conrad, had Garrett go out and take the truck uh, out on the highway, came back, he gave me his endorsement on it. The guy said, I'm gonna sell you this thing for $7,000. And we came back, told the city what we, what we had discovered and the city bought the truck for $7,000. So $7,000 doesn't seem like a lot to, to invest. Now, there's an accusation that this garbage truck breaks down. Has it broke down? This truck that, we're, that Garrett's operating right now, I don't know that he's had any problems with it. Now, there is a, uh, uh, there's not accusations just leveled at you. There's some accusations leveled at the, the competency of the city council itself. Uh, uh, they did try to purchase a, another garbage truck, and it didn't, didn't actually go so well. Right. But uh, we'll, we'll let the city council uh, discuss that. Well, uh, uh, John Caps, who's running uh, to be the mayor, says that we should shell this garbage truck and hire a service uh, uh, to do that. Uh, but that would really cost the, city, the, the citizens of the town a lot more money if we did that. Uh, uh, can you tell me about why uh, uh, maybe the proximity of the, the garbage dump and, and how we're doing it now has really saved the citizens a lot of money? And our water bill, I mean, my water bill is around 50, my water garbage and sewer is around $50 a month, well, which is much you know, better than any other town around. Yeah, don't, don't hold on to that too much longer. Well, uh, not, not, uh, not if we see the, the, the changes. Um, uh, how much more would a, a, a contracted service cost? Well, this came up, I think, at a community club meeting the other night, I, which I wasn't in attendance. In 2019, we did kind of a survey. We sent out a request for cost analysis for to outsource the garbage department. Uh, the city currently, and this is going to have to change a little bit, not drastically, the city was charging $10.50 for a weekly garbage collection with two uh, recycling collections per month. So taking that into consideration, 2019, which is four years ago, uh, I think the cheapest outsourcing of it was $12.26 per household. And when I say that, that's what the carrier is charging the city, not what the city's charging the resident. Keep in mind, when you have a delinquent water account, a delinquent sewer account, there's a delinquent garbage account. At the end of the month, the outsourced company wants paid, whether you've collected the money or not. So you have to build a little cushion into that. So at 12, 12.26, I think it was, and I, I think that's what it was, the low bid, we're probably gonna to have to charge $15 for that. Then a representative from waste management from over in Illinois came over and sat down. I think I just looked at that the other day when I saw all this stuff was 1516. That's what they're charging the city. The city's gonna to have to put the cushion in there. I know the city of Brighton is charging $20 per customer through waste management. And then there's another carrier outsourced uh, up at Hedrick. I talked to the clerk here a couple weeks ago, I think, probably, and I think they're charging them somewhere around 22 and they're charging their constituents 25 because the, the buffer, the cushion has to be in there. Like I said, they want their money at the end of the month and rightfully so. The landfill's gotta be paid for the tipping fees at the end of the month. So if we don't collect all the money, we have to make up for it. So you're in a sense going from 1050 that's what we charge for it. We're gonna go up to $15, so you're gonna add four more dollars per month for, or say $50 a year, and what really uh, is gonna get accomplished by that. And the one thing I saw in there that the uh, candidate made the comment that the carrier 
absorbs the repairs. And in a, in a, in a for-profit business, there's no such thing as the carrier absorbing the, the uh, breakdowns. And if that's what they're doing, they fall into one of two categories. You're either going to be out of business really soon or you're already out of business. Okay. Well, uh, another thing that he, he is suggesting is uh, a change in the way that we do business uh, with the uh, uh, Sheriff's Department. Uh, currently, we're on a 2080 agreement, right? Incorrect. The, the 2080 agreement expired, I believe, in the 1st of July of this last year. Okay. So there is no actual contract, 2080 agreement contract. The city probably, I think as the last four years, had an agreement with the county where they did two drive-bys or drive-throughs a day, uh, a daily through the town. And the current council looked at it and they wanted to kind of renegotiate it. And for whatever reason, it didn't get worked out. I think the council wanted to break it down to one. Uh, we've been through all these things. It's the same thing over and over. You get council people or candidates to come in and want to upset, turn everything over and start new. Well, the thing about it is everybody before you has, has basically walked over the same problems. You're going to buy a bunch of equipment, then you're going to get rid of a bunch of equipment. Everybody's got a better way, and a lot of these things are the obvious. We have went through them. There's a there's a car over there in the in the back of the garage there that we get that was given to the city of Ritzel by the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department. We uh, tried to do this. We we've hired a couple of police officers part time. With one of them, basically, we we were trying to. Uh, collaborate that position with the water wastewater department and make that that individual so we could pay create a full-time job well the, the gentleman that goes to the police academy he doesn't really want to be testing water so years what years later what happened was alan glandon was the uh, chief of police in sigourney he retired his deputy moved up to be the chief of police they advertised for a police officer and they had two candidates, one of them being our police officer and another one. They hired our police officer. He left. We hired the other candidate that didn't get the job. She stayed with us a little while, took a better job somewhere else, and we're back to square one. And if you go back and check with the city of Sigourney, they're going through the same thing. They're trying to resurrect their, their police department. They've been covered by the county. And they're trying to resurrect us. The difficult part is not only locating the police officer, but holding on to him. And the yeah. likelihood of us finding a police officer, and we can't afford to pay a police officer full-time, we can probably afford to pay part-time like we have in the past. But there is no, it's, it's fiscally irresponsible to try to create a police department in a town with 546 people. The work isn't here. The money isn't here. Well, uh, uh, I believe the uh, when we did have the 2080 agreement, we were covering people for about $25,000 a year. That's correct. What would it cost? I mean, if you if you really had to hire a, a, a police officer, uh, could you do it with $75,000? You could if you could find it. If you could find it, but you couldn't. You probably couldn't find it. But I, I, it would be tough. You think it would take a if if you had $100,000? I think you could probably hire someone. Sure, if you could find the hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the other point I'm talking about. Uh, so it's 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 exponentially more expensive. Uh, well, absolutely. Uh, uh, to do that, okay. Well, that was kind of a point I was, wanted to make. Uh, 
Well, another thing that he, uh, uh, John Cap says that is um, the city has just been neglectful and uh, uh, remiss about here is uh, he wants to replace all the water lines uh, uh, in town. If I'm understanding that, is is that what you're understanding that he's trying to say that he wants to do? Well, I mean, you can read the article and get the inference of that you want out of it. What's happened over here numerous times uh, when the city has the water tower under maintenance contract and they come in and do work on the, the, the maintenance tower, or excuse me, the water tower, uh, you have to divert the water away from the tower and obviously and blow it out through the high service pumps into, into the distribution lines. And what happened this year specifically where the water line broke over in front of the medical clinic and I can tell you it's happened numerous times. He's correct about that. But what happened was this year the contractor was supposed to bring a uh, unit with him basically to control the water pressure uh, out into the distribution lines and he, he was supposed to bring it down or the crew was supposed to bring it down. They didn't bring it. He tried to send it overnight through the UPS or the mail or whatever and it didn't come to the city, it got delivered to Garrett's house. So the, the, uh, the pressure, valve, pressure relief valve didn't show up. And so Garrett tried to control the pressure and what you got going on here is, is that for whatever reason, and nobody really knows, keep it, take into consideration here, I can tell you, the cost of repairing the cast iron water line in front of the dental clinic is about $35 a running foot. Okay, there's two services on it. There used to be multiple services on it. When they cut the lines off with the old buildings that were there, they probably did do a very good job of cutting them off. The pecs, the, excuse me, the corpses and whatnot. So anyway, for whatever reason, it's broke there numerous times. He's correct about that. But also remember, as I told you before, when we were talking about the gas station being over there, that's what's called a plumed area. And it, the ground is contaminated, and the DNR isn't going to let you put PVC lines over there. We had to basically, Garrett and I sat down with uh, an engineer, and we discussed this, and we created a lateral PVC water line that goes over to the clinic in, in the, uh, uh, the private property. The other property that would be served by that line, there's a... a uh, valve over here to shut it off which is going to supply water to jack agan it's still contaminated it's still under the the what do you want to call it the dnr is monitoring it all the time we can't put pvc over there in the street so garrett and the engineer and i discussed this they created a pvc water line lateral line on the property of where the community club and or the uh, dental clinic is Jack Agan is, is off the old line. It's cut off in front of his building, and he is getting water off the old line in a contaminated area, and it has to be cast iron. You can't go into plumed areas and replace cast iron water pipe with PVC. They're not going to let you do it. Okay. That's, per, that's a permitting issue with the DNR. So, so that, that's not really accurate. So the money that would come from... To build this would have to go in our water bill, wouldn't it? Absolutely. So uh, there's, uh, you can, uh, any tax levy, there's a maximum that you could get to, but there's absolutely no maximum well, on it's the not, water Well, it's bill. not so much a tax levy. We call them enterprise fund, call them utilities, whatever you want. Uh, 
Remember, the government really doesn't have any money. They're just appropriating taxes to take care of the town. The somewhat, you could say that it's, it's run as a, as a business, the, the enterprises, the utilities, but also keep in mind that there's no profit in any of this. And so everything has to pan out by the city having the money in reserve to make repairs. And with the, I, I made a cost estimate and I almost hit it to the dollar. Uh, running a water line under the highway to pay Griner's property from the east side of the road under the highway to the west side of the road. And those two projects over there where they fixed this over for the, the lateral to the dental clinic, or excuse me, the, yes, the dental clinic and in front of the library, $35,000. And I said, that's what, when it was all said and done, that's what it was going to cost. And that's what it cost. Well, the, uh, that's good. So uh, I would be concerned about my water bill uh, going up if they, they do this, although it, it, there's some of it might be uh, uh, worth looking into, I guess. Uh, there's one more thing here John Capp says uh, is that uh, if basically if you don't get behind it, it doesn't get done. Uh, is there a town on earth where if the mayor doesn't get behind it, it doesn't get done? It gets done without well, the mayor? I can say from my own experience, uh, nobody's being held back from getting anything done. Like I said, is I, I spent a, a disproportionate amount of time, my private time, uh, trying to do things for the community to better it. And I'm talking about weekends and nights and whatever. I'm always trying to figure out the best thing for the town. And if uh, I haven't done it, then I'm sorry for that. It isn't that I didn't want to do it. I can't get everything accomplished. But I can sit back and look at what I said to you there earlier. In 2008, the valuations were $8.000,000, and today they're $17,000,000. And he can, he can dance all over that record all he wants to. It's ridiculous. Okay. Well, was there anything else that uh, um, this new candidate has... Uh, said to you that you want to respond to or is that about it no I, the fact of the matter is in 2019 i wasn't a candidate i didn't take nomination papers out to get signed or deliver them i got wrote in and i'm not pursuing any uh, further elected office in the city of richland but that's not going to stop me from caring about the town and doing things with my abilities and my interest in things to solve problems 